0: act three of dr johnson a play by mr a edward newton this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. dot org characters in act
1: three dr johnson read by jim locke
2: a servant dr johnson's read by aaron white
3: Rattle read by Eva Davis Mrs Thrill
4: read by Phon Mr Boswell read by Campbell Shelp
0: Mr Barclay read by Thomas Peter Mr Perkins read by Adrian Stevens
2: Miss Burney read by Sonia Miss thrale read by Liana
0: Narration read by Todd The Morning Room at Streatham A large, bright, comfortable apartment with a fireplace in which a wood fire is burning brightly, with doors to right and left. Between the large casement windows, which open to the floor, are open shelves filled with books. On the walls are a number of fine mezzotint portraits of the famous authors, statesmen, and actors of the period. There are several large writing tables, with pens, ink, and paper at hand. EASY CHAIRS ARE CONVENIENTLY PLACED ON EITHER SIDE OF THE FIREPLACE AND AT THE WINDOWS. THE ROOM IS SUGGESTIVE OF WHAT MIGHT BE CALLED scholarly COMFORT. ON THE HEARTHRUG A LARGE DOG IS SEEN, ASLEEP. OTHERWISE THE ROOM IS DESERTED. THE TIME IS ABOUT NOON. MORE THAN A YEAR HAS PASSED SINCE THE LAST ACT. DR. JOHNSON ENTERS AND LOOKS AROUND.
1: MADAM, ARE YOU HERE? TO HIMSELF i love not to come down to vacuity
0: walking toward the fireplace and seeing the dog
1: presto you are if possible a lazier dog than i am
0: going to the bell pole and giving it a tug after a moment a servant
1: appears have you seen mrs thrale this morning
0: yes sir mrs thrale had breakfast some time ago with miss burney they
1: are i think walking in the grounds shall i go fetch them sir yes do no wait a minute i shall not send for her no bring me my breakfast yes sir will you be having some cold chicken and ham, sir yes whatever there is in some quantity i am hungry this morning
0: will you look at the paper sir
1: no yes bring it to me
0: servant leaves the room dr johnson speaking to himself
1: one half that one reads in the papers is not true the other half is not important
0: rather irritably
1: surely mrs thrale knows that i do not like to eat alone
0: enter servant with newspaper and large tray of breakfast sundries which he places on the table before dr johnson who at once begins eating after a few moments he opens paper and presently begins to read aloud
1: subscribers are beginning to wonder whether they will ever receive the long-promised edition of shakespeare from the hands of dr johnson if it is not soon delivered in the ordinary way a caesarean operation may become necessary what's this
0: continuing to read
1: he for subscribers baits his hook and takes your cash but where's the book no matter where wise fear you know forbids the robbing of a foe but what to serve our private ends forbids the cheating of our friends that's churchill the scoundrel this must not be permitted i have unluckily lost the list of my subscribers and spent the money but by labour the damage can be repaired
0: after a pause
1: this attack will have only temporary currency i must set about this work to-morrow to-morrow and to-morrow and to-morrow why is not my lady here to pour out my tea
0: after a pause
1: he who dislikes his own company cannot be certain that it will be enjoyed by others ah here she is
0: enter mrs thrale charmingly dressed in a white frock with black ribbons carrying a great basket of roses in her arms she proceeds to arrange these in vases around the room
1: dear madam i have been longing for you i am indeed lonely when you are absent
3: good-morning my dear dr johnson i cannot always be here i have as you know many domestic duties it's not fanny about she should have poured your tea
1: i have seen no one but the servant madam and he is as sleepy as a dormouse fanny is probably engaged upon her book an example i would do well to follow have you seen this attack on me in the paper
0: handing mrs thrale the paper mrs thrale glancing at it
3: yes i saw it what shall you do about it
1: ignore it madam i would rather be attacked than unnoticed an attack upon an author does him a service a man who says my book is bad is less my enemy than he who lets it die in silence
3: a man's fame is different from a woman's
1: it is madam a man's fame is a shuttlecock if it be struck only at one end of the room it falls to the ground instead of being angry at those who write against me i should smile to think that they are unintentionally keeping me before the public
0: enter rattle
3: what is it rattle
5: miss esther madam has a sore throat madam she wishes you would come to her
3: those children of mine are always catching something tell her i shall be with her directly
5: yes madam
0: goes out
3: you must sir finish your shakespeare
0: goes to the mantelpiece and takes some papers therefrom
3: i find your notes all over the house reading notes are often necessary but they are necessary evils Let him that is as yet unacquainted with the powers of shakespeare and who desires to feel the highest pleasure that the drama can give read every play from the first scene to the last with utter negligence of all his commentators excellent advice sir but it is a pity that it should be lost upon my mantelpiece it should be in a book sir a bound book and now you must excuse me i must go to queenie
0: goes out dr johnson to himself
1: i shall send for fanny she shall keep me company
0: he sits alone for a moment and then crosses the room to the bell-pole enter servant as i came through the hall sir i heard a gentleman husking for you sir i think it is mr
1: boswell sir sir show him in at once to himself cheerfully it is always pleasant to see jamie mr boswell enters ah bosie i'm glad to see you i hope i see you well just come from scotland they shake hands cordially
4: yes sir i arrived last evening and put up for the night at the saracen's head you know the place sir
1: yes sir on snow hill and a most excellent inn it is there is no private house in which people can enjoy themselves so well as at a capital inn i sometimes think a tavern chair is the throne of human felicity
4: but sir as i hoped to remain in london for some time i desired a more convenient location and have taken lodgings in great queen street off lincoln's inn fields and how are my friends mrs williams levitt and the rest of your household
1: sir we have tolerable concord at home but no love williams hates everybody levitt hates desmoulins and does not love williams desmoulins hates them both paul loves none of them
4: i cannot understand sir how you can surround yourself with such necessitous and undeserving people
1: if i did not assist them no one else would and they must be lost for want
4: and your work sir how have you been employing your time does your shakespeare go forward
1: sir for years i beat the track of the alphabet with sluggish resolution since i have spent so much of my time here in the broad sunshine of life i have lived a life of total idleness and the pride of literature but i must amend my ways and how did you leave your lady
4: not as well as might be she has indeed been threatened with a consumption but it is now mending she has sent you a pot of marmalade of her own making which i shall deliver at your lodgings in bolt
1: court that is kind particularly as she does not love me is it a peace-offering i have not forgotten her remark i have seen many a bear led by a man but never before a man led by a bear one does not love to be called a bear
4: why sir my wife thinks doubtless you have too great an influence over her husband which is perhaps not unnatural to a female mind but at heart she reveres you almost as much as i do
1: i wish i could think so
4: it is delightful sir to be in london again
1: why sir you will find no man at all intellectual who does not delight in london when a man is tired of london he is tired of life for there is in london all that life can afford but sir i never knew any one with such a gust for the town as you have
4: the streets sir are so animated i love the life in the taverns the eating yes sir and the drinking and the play they are i hear giving an excellent performance of The Beggar's Opera at Drury Lane.
1: So I understand, but I do not now go much to the play. My eyesight is failing, and my hearing, as you know, has long been defective.
4: Call remembrance to your aid, sir. You have not forgotten, I am sure, the charms of Lavinia Fenton. Was she not a delightful polly?
1: she was indeed sir in spite of the painful and ridiculous lines for on the rope that hangs my dear depends poor polly's life you doubtless best remember the lines sung by MacKeith: how happy could i be with either were t'other dear charmer away
4: why yes sir it is i believe an entirely masculine sentiment
1: sir i believe it is
4: but miss fenton i have heard that she became the mistress of the duke of bolton and that he has married her i hope he may be happy
1: sir love and marriage are different states he wanted to gratify his passion the wench wanted a husband and a title both are suited the match was not i should say made in heaven
4: pray sir do you not suppose that there are fifty women in the world with any one of whom a man may be as happy as with any one woman in particular
1: i serve fifty thousand
4: then sir you are not of the opinion of those who imagine that certain men and certain women are made for each other and that they cannot be happy if they miss their counterparts
1: to be sure not sir i believe that marriages would in general be as happy and often more so if they were all made by the lord chancellor upon a due consideration of the characters and circumstances without the parties having any choice in the matter
4: in your judgment dr johnson should a man invariably marry
1: why sir i would advise no man to marry who is not likely to propagate understanding marriage is much more necessary for a man than for a woman for he is much less able to supply himself with domestic comforts
4: it would appear so quite recently sir a friend who had been notoriously unhappy with his wife upon her death immediately married again
1: that sir might be called the triumph of hope over experience
4: dr johnson have you ever considered the possibility of a second marriage
1: why yes sir frequently indeed i may say that i have been thinking of it this very morning
4: you amaze me sir
1: and why sir i was very happy with mrs johnson her birthday our wedding-day and the day of her death have been generally kept by me with solemn observation by taking a second wife i pay the highest possible compliment to my first marriage would enable me to enjoy the continuance of domestic comfort to which i have long been accustomed marriage is the best state for man in general and every man is a worse man in proportion as he is unfit for it
4: but sir you are it would seem very comfortably settled here
1: why in some sort i am but since the death of henry thrale there is something lacking in this establishment the household lacks a head as does the business indeed it is mrs thrale's wish that the brewery be disposed of as one of the executors of thrale's will i stood out against it but i know not why i should be concerned there is no male heir to succeed to the business and the estate could be the more easily cared for if it were sold and the proceeds invested in the funds indeed a knot of rich quakers are to call this very morning to discuss the matter
4: in which case i should be going but i would be glad to say a word of greeting to mrs thrale before i take my
0: departure
1: i will send for the lady if you will be good enough to ring
0: boswell goes to the bell pole.
1: thank you how did you leave my lord of ashinlech your father you keep on good terms with him i hope passably
4: sir we differ over money matters he recently paid bills for me to the sum of a thousand pounds but i am still in some distress over a number of small debts
1: small debts are like small shot they are rattling on every side and can scarcely be escaped without a wound great debts are like cannon of loud noise but little danger
4: just my experience sir your readiness never ceases to amaze me You instantly put into words thoughts which we ordinary mortals but clumsily revolve in our minds.
1: Why, sir, in conversation I admit to a certain verbal facility but Mrs. Thrale will wish me to extend the hospitality of this house. Will you have chocolate or join me in a cup of tea?
4: Thank you, sir, but I breakfasted not much over an hour ago. You will excuse me
1: and my other friends in edinburgh how did you leave them
4: very well sir lord Monboddo desired me very particularly to present his compliments to you
1: he still insists that mankind is descended from monkeys <laughs> and is still searching for his own tail i suppose if he wishes to own a monkey for his ancestor i know not why i should dispute his claim
0: enter servant
1: will you say to my lady that mr james boswell has just arrived from scotland and would pay his respects to her if she is disengaged
0: yes sir goes out
4: i often think sir of our tour to the hebrides i hope the remembrance of it gives you as much pleasure as it does me
1: why sir i do not know how much pleasure you derive from the remembrance but it was the most pleasant frolic i ever had and i would not for five hundred pounds forego the recollection of it if you and i live to be old men we shall take great light IN TALKING OVER OUR EXPERIENCES.
4: Why should we wait to be old to enjoy that pleasure? Do you remember, sir, our experiences on the vessel going to Mole, and how seasick you were?
1: I do not indeed look back upon that particular experience with any great amount of pleasure.
4: And yet, sir, the sailors did not seem to heed the storm.
1: A storm makes a sailor but little more miserable than he is already no man will be a sailor who has contrivance enough to get himself into a jail for being in a ship is like being in a jail with the added chance of being drowned
4: and what has become of your great brown cloth coat with the side pockets each of which might almost have held a volume of your dictionary
1: why sir i brought that safely home with me and my great oak stick that i carried all the way from london in which i was going to present to some museum which disappeared so unaccountably You never heard of it again i suppose
4: no sir as you said at the time consider the value of such a piece of timber in mole it was not to be expected that the man who found it would part with it
1: why no sir being a scotchman you are to consider that there is very little soil in scotland and very few trees it indeed chiefly consists of stone and water
4: it does sir but you will admit that scotland has a great many noble wild prospects
1: sir it has and so has norway and lapland is remarkable for its prodigious noble wild prospects but sir let me tell you that the noblest prospect which a scotchman ever sees is the high road that leads him to england
4: dr johnson you seem to forget that god made scotland
1: i remember sir that he made it for scotchmen
4: We are a fine, sturdy race, sir.
1: Why, yes, sir, I believe you are. Goldsmith says somewhere that man is the only animal that has reached a natural size in your country.
4: Ah, sir, since we last met we have experienced a great loss. Goldsmith has been taken from us.
1: Do not speak of it, sir. I cannot think of it with tranquillity.
4: Was he buried in the abbey, sir?
1: no sir in the temple he was greatly in debt at the time of his death and it was thought that there might have been a scandal he was buried at night in ground just north of the temple church it was very solemn
4: i have heard that he was careless in money matters
1: he was sir but let not his frailties be remembered he was a very great man he left scarcely any style of writing untouched and touched nothing that he did not adorn
4: and garrick sir his death is a great loss
1: i never think of garrick but the tears come into my eyes garrick's death eclipsed the gaiety of nations and impoverished the public stock of harmless pleasure why sir i would not hear of the election of his successor in our club until he had been dead a year i insisted that we undergo a year's widowhood
4: i knew that he was one of your oldest friends
1: we came to london together penniless that is to say i had twopence in my pocket and he had three-halfpence in his.
4: I have heard that he died a very rich man.
1: Sir, no actor has ever enjoyed the public esteem so much as Garrick. His profession made him rich, and he made his profession respectable.
4: He rests, I believe, in the abbey?
1: Yes, sir, and properly, at the foot of Shakespeare's monument.
4: I shall place a wreath upon his grave. A merrier man, within the limit of becoming mirth, i never spent an hour's talk withal
1: and i will go with you and afterwards we will call upon his lady in the adelphi
0: enter mrs
3: mr Boswell. i hope i see you well
0: they shake hands madam you're most
4: obedient
3: shall you stay long with us i have heard you say that no lover ever longed for his mistress with greater ardour than you for london
4: why madam that is so it is my hope to spend several months in town it has been several years since i was last in london during which time there have been many and sad changes yes and more
3: are impending since mr Thrill's death and the marriage of several of my daughters Streetham has become a burden neither education nor inclination fits me for the management of a great business of all things i loathe the brewery with its mysterious adulterations
1: well madam we hope soon to relieve you of that burden
3: then i think i shall retire to brighthelmstone for a season
1: surely madam you would not think of giving up Streatham? think of the many happy years you have spent here surrounded by such comforts and elegancies as are within the reach of few
3: my life here may not have been as happy as you think mr thrill my late lord and master was not invariably kind i married not so much to please myself as to please my family
4: it may be that you will again think of marriage dr johnson and i have just been speaking of second marriages and are agreed that they need no defence there is i think nothing more beautiful than a marriage of inclination on both sides
0: enter servant mr barclay and mr perkins are in the drawing-room mr boswell rising to go
4: madam i kiss your hand dr johnson i hope to meet you at the club on wednesday i bid you good morning
0: goes out mrs thrale to servant
4: mr boswell's hat and coat
3: ask the gentleman to join us here
1: madam. i have heard your plans with great displeasure think well before you leave Streatham, with which you have for so long been identified
0: enter mr barclay and mr perkins mrs Dale, your servant dr johnson yours we have come in the
3: matter of the brewery mr perkins and i have caused a very careful inventory of the property to be made which in essentials agrees with the one you yourself gave us we have had a number of conferences with our friends in the city and in all the circumstances feel justified in offering you the princely sum of one hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds for the property
1: i would decline it madam we are not here to sell a parcel of boilers and vats but the potentiality of growing rich beyond the dreams of avarice
3: i am sir of the opinion that we should hold out for one hundred and fifty with care the property can be enormously developed mr Thrill, by his i regret to say folly several times placed it in jeopardy a saving of only sixpence in a barrel would mean a capital sum at the end of the year and such economies can i am sure be readily effected
0: you forget madam that i am entirely familiar with the business and know better than you can possibly do its value to a penny
3: no it is because you know the value of the business that i ask for one hundred and fifty thousand i would not have my daughter say that i am unmindful of their interest
0: one hundred and twenty-five
3: madam
1: let the subject go over until after we have eaten a good dinner lubricates business shall we stroll through the grounds the brewery has enabled us to live in some state here for many years let me show you the glass houses
0: they go out and the curtain falls to suggest the passing of a few hours. When it rises again, Miss Burney is seen reading in a great chair. After a moment, she puts down the book. Miss Burney, to herself,
2: "'Excitement is running high in this house, and no wonder. It is not every day that negotiations for the sale of a great business are carried on right under one's very nose. I smell malt and hops now.'"
0: Enter Miss Thrale
2: oh my dear fanny have you seen mamma or dr johnson i wonder where they are what can be detaining them transactions of magnitude are not concluded in a minute
5: i saw from my window a gentleman arrive on horseback do you know who he was
2: not his name he was here for a moment but was not presented after he had gone i asked dr johnson who he was and he said that while he was loath to speak ill of a man behind his back He believed he was an attorney. Mr. Barclay sent for him.
5: Some time ago, the party were walking in the shrubbery, and Mamma left them and came to me, and said, one way or the other, the affair will soon be concluded. If all goes well, she will wave to me a white pocket handkerchief.
0: She goes to a long window, opens it, and looks out.
5: I see no one. Yes, behind that tree. Dr. Johnson and Mamma. Where are the others? Can they have gone? oh fanny come look mamma she sees me she waves her handkerchief the brewery is sold now we are no longer in trade and i am an heiress
0: she goes out at the window leaving fanny alone presently the footman comes in with a large tea-tray which he places on the table as dr johnson with several papers in his hand and mrs thrale enter mrs thrale pours tea
1: madam i congratulate you upon the happy termination of this affair it only remains for you to add your signature to this agreement you will sign just above my name
0: mrs thrale signs
2: how wonderful it all is
0: stops pouring tea
2: i think i shall go in search of queenie Leaves if an angel from heaven had told me
3: thirty years ago that a man i knew by the name of dictionary johnson would one day become partner with me in a great trade and that we should jointly or separately sign notes drafts etc for three or four thousand pounds of a morning and finally dispose of the business for one hundred and fifty thousand pounds how unlikely it would have seemed ever to happen
1: unlikely is not the word madam it would have seemed incredible neither of us was then being worth a groat and both as far removed from commerce as birth literature and inclination could get us
3: i have been accused of being only mr thrale's sleeping partner what nonsense however it is all over now my three days a week at the counting-house are a thing of the past farewell to the brew-house and to the borough adieu to trade and tradesmen i have purchased restoration to my original rank in life i shall retire to bath and repose my purse
1: retire to bath madam repose your purse what nonsense is this your purse will be equal to the demands made upon it we live here in comfort if not in luxury what more could any woman want
3: she might want a husband
1: a husband god forgive you madam if i have heard aright
3: some time since i determined to tell you when i could why should i not marry my children are of age and are independent as indeed i also am i love and am loved if i have concealed the fact from you it was only to save both of us needless suffering speak kindly to me you make me feel that i am acting without a parent's consent
1: apparent i dared to hope madam that your feeling for me was such stop
3: sir dr johnson for many years i have devoted myself to your service have been at your beck and call your comfort was my first almost my only consideration but the time has come for me to think of myself i married once to please my family i shall shortly marry to please myself and one other
1: you stun me madam may i inquire
3: certainly all the world must soon know it signor piozzi
1: piozzi madam a foreigner and a fiddler impossible
3: why sir it was you who first told me to respect mr piozzi i remember well when i met him at an evening party at dr burney's he was asked to play i misbehaved and you reproved me saying why madam because you have no ear for music do you destroy the performance of a gifted musician
1: i may have taught you to respect him but that is no reason why you should love him indeed i think you cannot be so lost to shame as to abandon yourself your children your religion and your country for an italian music-master
3: wherein is the shame he loves me and i love him know you a better basis for marriage than love
1: love madam you bewilder me are you so lost in self-respect as to throw yourself into the arms of an adventurer i who have loved you esteemed you reverenced you i who for years have thought of you as the first of womankind entreat you to consider before you disgrace yourself
3: sir how dare you in what way would i disgrace myself by marrying signor piozzi his birth is not meaner than that of my first husband his sentiments are not meaner his profession is not meaner, and his superiority in that profession is acknowledged by all the world. Is it want of fortune, then, which is ignominious? The character of the man I have chosen has no other claim to such an epithet.
1: His religion?
3: The religion to which he is an adherent will, I hope, teach him to forgive insults he has not deserved. Mine, I hope, will enable me to bear yours with dignity and patience the suggestion that i have forfeited my fame is the greatest insult i have yet received my fame is as unsullied as snow or i should think it unworthy of him who must henceforth protect it
1: enter miss thrale and miss burney
3: i hear high words
5: what is the cause
1: queenie your mother has just declared her passion for piazzi
5: For Piazzi? Good God!
1: Turning to Dr. Johnson.
2: Can you not restrain her?
1: I fear, indeed, that she has lost all sense of shame.
2: Oh, Mrs. Thrale, let me entreat you. I
5: thought I detected her partiality for the music-master, but hesitated to speak. We are not the best
3: of friends.
1: If, madam, the last act is yet to do.
3: This is too much. I must ask you, sir, to leave this house, and at once...
1: I shall at once obey you, madam. I cannot remain under the roof of one who would indulge herself in such an amour.
3: Can it be that she is my mother?
0: Mrs. Thrale? in tears.
3: How can you speak to me so? I have done nothing to deserve this. My child turns against me. Fanny, do you
2: speak to me one word of comfort? Not I, madam. I blush to be present at such a scene.
0: Turning to Miss Thrale.
2: My dear, I think we owe it to our characters to leave this house.
0: They go out.
1: Oh, madam, forgive me, I spoke in haste and in passion. Whatever you have done, however, I may lament it. I pray, God, for your forgiveness. I pray that he may grant you every blessing, that you may be happy now and hereafter. And I ask you to forgive me. I am ready to do what I can to contribute to your happiness in return for that kindness which has soothed twenty years of a life radically wretched
3: that is spoken like my old friend only the fear of your disapprobation has given me anxious moments it would be a great grief to me to quit england had we unkind feelings toward each other
1: quit england oh my dear lady prevail upon mr piazzi to remain here you may live here with more dignity than in italy and with greater security your rank will be higher and your fortune more under your own eye Do not let Mr. Piazzi or anybody else put me quite out of your head. God's blessing be upon you, madam. You have always been very dear to me.
0: Mrs. Thrale bows low and goes out. Dr. Johnson throws himself in a chair, overcome with emotion. Presently he says,
1: I shall lose myself in London. In London a man is always near his borough.
0: Raises his hands in prayer.
1: To thy fatherly protection, O Lord, I commend all the members of this dear family.
0: End of Act Three.